Greenville Health System's vision is to transform health care for the benefit of the people and communities we serve. In order to better communicate, we proudly present this podcast series, Inside Health, brought to you by Greenville Health System. Here's Melanie Cole. Have you ever felt that your heart flip-flops, skips a beat, or feels like it's banging against your chest wall? Well, it could be atrial fibrillation. My guest today is Dr. Andrew Brenyo. He's a heart rhythm doctor at Greenville Health System that's also board certified in internal medicine and cardiovascular disease. Welcome to the show, Dr. Brenyo. Tell us a little bit about atrial fibrillation. What exactly is it? Atrial fibrillation is an abnormal rhythm that is primarily characterized by a racing of your heart along with irregularity in the pulse. As a result of this racing, the top chambers of the heart, called the atrium, don't contract normally. This causes blood to pool and can also increase your risk of having a stroke. Variably, some patients will feel this rhythm. Other patients will not be able to feel it. As a result, Atrial fibrillation is the most common cause of stroke within the United States and westernized countries. What's the most common cause of atrial fibrillation? Is there some risk factors, some lifestyles that contribute to this? That's a great question. The most common associated factors are high blood pressure, conditions like sleep apnea, and being overweight. Those are the three most common conditions that we see. And even for some patients, absent those symptoms, they still can develop atrial fibrillation. So for the patients that have those risk factors, we counsel them on lifestyle modification, including, most importantly, weight loss, which will reduce the need for blood pressure medications, diabetes medications, improve the quality of life, and also usually make their atrial fibrillation much easier to control with medications. If someone doesn't get that feeling, that palpitations and anxiety feeling that goes for some people, how do they know if they have it, which increases their risk for stroke? Is it something that you would pick up on an annual physical? Is it something they have to have a stress test or an EKG to find out that they even have? How do you know? This comes up a lot in terms of trying to uh, minimize paranoia that patients have, that they're not aware of a condition that could potentially affect their lives. For the patients that don't have symptoms associated with their AFib, I usually counsel them on assessing their heart rate at rest. And if your heart rate at rest is typically 60 to 70 beats a minute, in atrial fibrillation, it should be higher. It should be 90 to 100 beats a minute at rest for the most part. This can be a great indicator along with irregularity since the pulse should be regular, almost like a metronome. So if the pulse is irregular and faster than usual, that's typically atrial fibrillation. When we see patients referred into us, oftentimes atrial fibrillation is diagnosed incidentally when you're going to your primary doctor or when you go to the emergency department because of a urinary infection. Those are oftentimes when we'll see these kind of rhythms be diagnosed just through a routine evaluation of another problem. 
if you detect that somebody has this, what's the first line of defense? What do you do for them? We usually assess the patients in terms of whether or not they have symptoms and whether or not they have other risk factors for stroke. If patients have no symptoms associated with the rhythm, we usually don't get real excited about using a lot of medications or talking about procedures for atrial fibrillation. We just try to minimize heart rate racing that can cause the heart to weaken over time. For patients with stroke risk factors, we will usually initiate a blood thinner to minimize that stroke risk and counsel them on how atrial fibrillation may or may not affect their life for the long term. So no matter what the story for our AFib patients, there are things that we're assessing and modifying to minimize their risk of having complications or medical issues as a result of atrial fibrillation going forward. If you put them on Coumadin, blood thinners, is this something now that they have to stay on for the rest of their life? The answer is usually yes. However, there are situations where patients' risk factors, which are things like high blood pressure, diabetes, those are modifiable, actually. And getting patients to a point where they can come off blood pressure medications because they've managed to lose weight or they lose their diabetes as a result of losing weight, those are things that are modifiable. However, other risk factors include things like age, gender, or prior history of a stroke, all of which are not modifiable. So for the most part, when we look at patients who meet criteria for a blood thinner, they are on it indefinitely. Then what do you do if this is something that needs intervention and the heart is basically an electrical machine? What do you do to sort of stop this from happening, which really ends up causing anxiety in the person suffering from it as well because they're worried about stroke and, you know, other problems? When we try to treat the atrial fibrillation and prevent it from coming back, the first line of therapy is usually the initiation of rhythm drugs that are specific to suppressing the atrial fibrillation and prevent it from recurring along with shortening the time that the patients are out of rhythm. When patients actually have breakthrough through those medications, we then, through subsequent visits, talk about the role of ablation therapy to prevent atrial fibrillation. So when we sit and talk with a patient about ablation, we usually let them know that it's a procedure that is done under general anesthesia. It can take up to four hours. It is a good procedure and can minimize their risk of having more atrial fibrillation in the future and can often result in them coming off of their rhythm medications that we had prescribed previously. What do you tell people if they've gone through these procedures and, you know, about living the rest of their life, not worrying about this so much, and behavior modifications, lifestyles that you want them to adhere to, to, you know, help them deal with this for the rest of their lives? Well, I think one of the most important things about patient care in general is feeling like you have a partner in your physician and 
knowing that if you have difficulties with your atrial fibrillation that you have somebody who you can reach out to who can, no matter what the situation, help you with regard to your symptoms and answer the questions that you have. Because the questions, everybody's AFib story is a little bit different. So the questions that patients have are usually similar, but then there are outliers that are individual to the patient's own life. And in helping patients deal with this condition, the important part is, not only as a physician, but as a patient, trying to make sure that they find a provider that is going to help them with regard to taking care of their AFib and fitting that care into their lifestyle. So if patients feel like the cure for their atrial fibrillation in terms of medicines is worse than the disease, it's not really going to sit well with them that they're taking these medications or talking about these procedures and they're not getting any benefit out of it when it comes to quality of life. So when I counsel patients, usually we'll provide them and arm them with knowledge surrounding what atrial fibrillation is and how it can and can't affect them, and lay a plan forward. If you have more issues with atrial fibrillation, we will plan on doing this. If that doesn't work, we will plan on doing this subsequent step after that so that they know that there's a plan there such that if they have difficulties, they have my phone number, they call me, they come in to be seen, and they know, based upon my last discussion, we will be doing this. So having that reassurance there for them uh, about the fact that both we're listening and, two, we have a plan, uh, that seems to go a long way. In just the last minute, Dr. Branio, if you would, Give us your best advice for people suffering from atrial fibrillation and why they should come to Carolina Cardiology and GHS for their care. I think the hardest element of atrial fibrillation as it stands today is appropriate diagnosis. And when you have patients who have short episodes and they are not getting diagnosed appropriately, they never come to us. They never come to a cardiologist or their internist because it's never actually detected. It can take a long time to diagnose atrial fibrillation with ambulatory monitoring. However, we've actually uh, seen the expanding use of apps for smartphones to detect atrial fibrillation, and this alone can provide the nidus of conversation with an internist or a cardiologist to get them in and get them treated appropriately to minimize their symptoms. The reason why I think patients should come to see us at Greenville Health Systems, both for a cardiovascular evaluation or an electrophysiologic evaluation, is we have a full comprehensive program of physicians that care about atrial fibrillation patients, that care about heart rhythm patients, and can take care of any manner of illness that is seen from the very garden variety to the very esoteric. We have ablationists who can do anything from extensive robotic ablation to ablations around the heart, on the outside of the heart. Uh, So we can take care of any rhythm disturbance that a patient has in a way that still maintains the small family feel that patients really enjoy and as a result aren't hesitant to come on back and see us. 
Thank you so much. It's great information. You're listening to Inside Health with Greenville Health System. For more information, you can go to ghs.org. That's ghs.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.